Double the price and increase sales? What? Did he even say that right? Yeah, I did. Today I want to look at a book called Influence and it's one of my favorite books and I want to look at the chapter Weapons of Influence and how it can help in your business. My name's Kyle Macker and I've been a pilot in the aviation industry for half my life. So you might be asking, why am I doing a marketing podcast, right? Well, I'm passionate about aviation and flying a big jet. It's just awesome. There's nothing like it. However, I realized that being a pilot is nothing what it used to be, like all jobs. And if I wanted to live the life of my dreams on my terms, I was going to have to teach myself a new skill. So three years ago, I started my marketing journey. I dove deep into the marketing world. I dug into the books, psychology, persuasion, anything that would help with the person saying yes to a product or service. I love it. However, I have a big problem. It's all theoretical knowledge. I have no hands-on experience and I still have so many questions. The biggest thing that I know is if we want our businesses to stand out in a noisy marketplace, we have to become better marketers. The best marketer will always win. So follow me on my journey and hopefully along the way it can help you spark up a few ideas that I've learned so you, that you can implement in your business. So make sure you subscribe to my channel so you don't miss the latest episodes and also if there's anything you want to know about, get in touch with me on Instagram at this marketing thing. So let's dive right in. Hello and welcome to another episode of uh, This Marketing Thing. Today I want to go over um, basically the psychology of persuasion and uh, influence of something that sort of really interests me actually. Um, I really like this book uh, that was written by Robert B. Caldani. He's a PhD. He wrote the book Influence. It's, um, it's got some really good fundamentals about uh, marketing and sales and I think everyone that has a business should have a uh, at least a, a general working knowledge of how um, you know marketing and sales work so I want to uh, do a few lessons from the book uh, in future podcasts so today I'm going to talk about uh, fixed action patterns or uh, automatic behavior sequences now they're basically mechanical patterns of actions. So behaviours uh, that are triggered by something and then they become patterns of action and they occur in exactly the same fashion in the same order. Now, they, they occur all throughout the animal kingdom. Um, I've got a couple of examples and he goes through a couple of examples in his book and he talks about uh, turkeys uh, turkey mothers um, and you know how that they're really good uh, really good mothers they're very loving and, and watchful and protective um, but there's something odd about their their method in that they the virtually the mothering is triggered only by one thing it's just the cheap cheap of the young chicks and other identifiable features such as smell and touch and appearance only play minor roles in the mothering process. So how they tested this was uh, an, 
uh, a scientist, an animal behaviourist, Mike W. Fox, started uh, basically what he did is he got a stuffed uh, cat and that's basically obviously going to be the uh, arch enemy of a turkey mother. Uh, And what they did is they pushed the cat towards the turkey mother and obviously the, the turkey mother attacked it. But then what they did was they put a tape recorder in the stuffed cat and made it do the cheap, cheap sound of the chicks. And what they found for was that the mother basically took it under its wing and started huddling it. And when they turned the, the, the tape off, the mother went back to attacking it. So its only trigger was the cheap, cheap of the baby chicks. So that was a, a, a fixed action pattern or an automatic behaviour sequence. You also see it in Red Robins, um, another behavioural animal behavioural scientist did an experiment where they, a male red robin, the bird, uh, will attack another rival male red robin. But how that, what they did was is they basically put a, a bunch of red robin feathers in front of this red robin and then on the other side of it, a perfect stuffed replica of a male robin without the red-breasted feathers. And the red robin basically attacked just the bunch of feathers. So it was its trigger that it was the, the, uh, that it was the figure, the, the red feathers of the, uh, of the uh, breast of the red robin. Now, before we, you know, call these lower animals stupid, um, most of them have fixed action patterns because it makes sense because what other animal is going to make a cheap cheap uh, of a turkey than, um, than the chick of, a, of the turkey. So that it, it makes sense and it's a shortcut basically for the animal uh, to recognise that cheap cheap is or those red feathers are, in fact, uh, what you know it's perceived to be by the animal. But humans have their fixed action patterns too. Um, where humans are different is that humans' fixed action patterns are usually learnt, whereas lower animal species such as turkeys or red robins uh, are usually instinct or born into them. Um, Ellen Langer, she's a social uh, psychologists demonstrated this uh, fixed action patterns in humans when basically she uh, tested a uh, basically a, a phrase at a, at a school library um, using a printer. What she, what she did is when you if you want to get compliance out of somebody, uh, usually it's best to provide a reason. So. What she would what she would say she would say excuse me can I use the Xerox machine the printer uh, because I, because I'm running late now that gave her a ninety four percent compliance rate then what she did is she, she went to the line or the bunch of 
people in the line and said, excuse me, may I use the Xerox machine? Now, the compliance rate then fell to 60%. But what was really interesting about this is what she did next is that the was the trigger was the word because that was the uh, that was the that was the trigger for this fixed action pattern and this is what she said she said excuse me may i use the xerox machine because i have to make some copies now the compliance rate went back up to 93% it seemed to be that humans in that situation the trigger for the fixed action pattern was the word because. It didn't matter what come after that. Compliance was assured because of the word because. And just as the cheap, cheap sound of the turkey chicks, the word because triggered the automatic compliance response from Langer's subjects, even though, even though they were given no reason to comply. At the start of his book, he also talks about um, a story, one of his uh, female friends, and she's got a, uh, a basically an opal shop in a tourist part of the country. And she rings him and asks him to explain what, you know, basically what had happened because there'd been a mistake where she'd actually made more money um, than was intended. She had these opals that she couldn't get rid of. So what she tried, was going to do, she was going to half the price of them and see if she could get rid of them, uh, sell them quickly that way. Um, she went away on a business trip and she's told one of her um, employees to half the price of those opals to get rid of them. And what had actually happened is the the young employee actually made the mistake instead of halving them she doubled the price of them now what happened was is was amazing to her is that she actually sold them all out at double the price than she originally uh, had intended now this was uh, basically a fixed action pattern in in humans um, that most well-to-do vacationers with little known, um, you know, little known knowledge of, of opals were using the standard principle or stereotype that expensive is good. And thus the, voc- you know, the vacationers that wanted good jewellery saw the opal pieces and then decidedly that they're more valuable and desirable on nothing else but the price. So price alone had become the trigger feature for them as far as quality. And and the dramatic increase in price alone led to a dramatic increase in sales among the quality hungry buyers. So it was the cheap, cheap for them, the the fixed action trigger point. Now, these, I think this would definitely work. It works a lot better in um, definitely not in so much commodity-based uh, products or more products that aren't really known by uh, by people. Um, 
you know, that, that might not have a, a good working knowledge of it or it's hard for them to compare apples with apples. Um, I actually tried this. Uh, I was so interested in this um, that I, I actually tried it myself. I still had um, some products on Amazon and I thought this is just amazing. I'm going to increase the price uh, by about 20 or 30% above my the highest competition's products and see what happens. And to my astonishment, sales actually went up for a small period of time. Uh, it was actually uh, shocking to me. It was very surprising because I, I sort of had always approached this from, uh, you know, the, the mindset of that if it's cheaper, more will sell. Uh, but in the case where there's products that, or products of little known uh, or understood by consumers or new sort of products, um, they see the price increase if they've grown up with this, you know, that, that, that old rule, you get what you pay for, expensive equals good, um, you know, that th this can definitely, uh, definitely work. Now, a lot of the psychological techniques I'm going to go over in the next, you know, few episodes is basically the human brain does that, uh, the stereotype behavior, because it's the most efficient form of behaving and it just becomes necessary. It's because basically you and I live in a very complicated stimulus environment. It's uh, very dynamic and complex than has ever existed on the planet before. And so to deal with it, the human brain needs shortcuts. You know, we haven't got the energy or the capacity to analyse every little thing that we do. So instead we use our stereotypes of rules of thumb to classify things according to a few key features. And uh, we respond mindlessly to those, uh, those trigger features. Um, but sometimes those, th those trigger, uh, triggers uh, will not be appropriate for the situation. And those stereotypes don't work every time, but we accept their imperfection because we don't really have any other choice. The next principle I want to talk about is the contrast principle, and it's a pretty well-known human perception. But one demonstration of it would be if you pick up an item and then you pick up a heavier item after it, the heavier item after it feels like that it would be much, feels much heavier than it would usually be if you just picked up the heavier item first. Now, these perceptions, uh, are, you know, are definitely seen in things beside weight as well. A good demonstration of this would be if you had, say, if you can visualise on your left-hand side a bucket of hot water and then in front of you you had a bucket of room temperature water and then on the right-hand side of you, you had a bucket of cold water. Now, what participants are asked to do is put their right and left hands in the cold and hot water, leave it there for a period of time, 
and then take their hands out and put it in the room temperature water bucket. And what is interesting is the left hand that was in the hot bucket of water, now it's in the room temperature bucket of water, appears as though it's cold. And the right hand that's gone from the cold water to the room temperature water appears as though it's hot, even though it's just the same bucket of water. Now, as salespeople, we can use this uh, contrast principle for other things than besides weight and and physical um, senses. So what um, is a really good one? If 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 you owned a suit shop and you went into the store and asked if you you know, you wanted to buy a a shirt and a, t- a shirt, sorry, a shirt and a suit. Which, if you own the store, which one would you try and sell the customer first? Now, before I started all this stuff, I would have said, oh, I'll sell him the shirt and the cheapest item and then I'll try and sell him the suit. Well, I'd, I would have been completely wrong. What would be better is to sell them on the suit first and then sell them the shirt. Now, actually, I've uh, I, I, this has actually happened to me. I went into a suit shop uh, probably about four months ago, five months ago, and I needed to purchase four suits for my wedding. So I said I need I needed shoes and suit and a shirt and shirts, obviously. So I, I said, look, so what I did is I went straight to the shoes to look at the shoes and told the salesperson what I needed. And he actually ushered me off sort of straight away to go to the suits. And I still remember it, remember it vividly, actually. So I went and I found some suits. I bought the suits. And then from the suits, we then went to the shirts where you know, I, I'd paid $500 a suit, but then the shirts I paid $120 for, and I would never usually spend $120 on shirts because they seemed so much, because of the contrast principle, they seemed so much less expensive than the suits. I was left sort of wondering when going, I can't believe I just paid $120 for shirts when I never usually do that. So the contrast principle had had struck on me. Um, you know, th- this is seen in real estate agents use it very commonly as well. Also, another one that sticks out in my mind is car salesmen. Car salesmen will do this all the time. So once you've said yes, shaken hands, agreed on the uh, on the price of a, of a new vehicle, they start adding on extras. But what if you spent if you've just spent twenty thousand dollars on a car, the extra of two hundred three hundred dollars for this protector or those guards is nothing. So the contrast principle works in that effect, and then you're left going, "I just spent an extra two thousand dollars on this car due to extras." So that's basically the end of the first chapter, Weapons of Influence. So we went through fixed action patterns and they can be used in your business to get compliance from your customers, especially if you know those trigger points, you know, that age-old saying you get what you pay for, 
But this would just come down to knowing your target audience really well. You'd have to know them really intimately to know what their trigger points are and to for them to have those sort of sayings. I mean, I, I think that one, for instance, I think that would be probably more of an older demographic that would be uh, would take that as gospel. You just have to find what your target audience trigger points were. Then we moved on to um, the contrast principle. So definitely if you've got a physical items uh, or a retail store, you want to be selling your expensive items first. Um, as the suit shop did with me, uh, definitely worked. So if you haven't got a copy of his book, I definitely reckon it's worth it. It's a, it's a really great read. Uh, however, if you haven't got the time, I'm going to go over the next six chapters in uh, subsequent episodes. So till next time, enjoy, take care, and I'll see you all then. Hope you like this week's episode of This Marketing Thing. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you want like to get a hold of us, we're on Instagram at This Marketing Thing.